we get to finish our series in Genesis today. We have been looking at the different life characters through Genesis, and today we are finishing Joseph. We began his story last week. I will recap us as we get going, um, but we're going to start in Genesis 45, verses 1 through 15, and I'm going to read that scripture to you now. You can read along either on the screen or in the bulletin in front of you. Genesis 45 tells us, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all of his attendants. And he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified in his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold in Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there's going to be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near to me. You, your children, your grandchildren, your flocks and herds, all of you. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to it will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and, you can, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it really is I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen, and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping, and he kissed all of his brothers and wept over them. And afterwards, his brothers talked with him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, indeed. <laughs> Joseph, this man Joseph, I cannot even imagine being in his shoes. And I have to tell you, there have been times in my life when I have felt like everything was against me, when I have felt like everyone was against me, and I have felt like there was nothing that could possibly go right in my life. But then I look at Joseph's life. And as we saw last week, Joseph was the son of Jacob, and Joseph was the most favorite son of Jacob, even though he was almost the youngest son. Benjamin happened to be the youngest, but Joseph was almost the youngest. And as almost the youngest of 12 sons, you should really be afforded no good things. You get really nothing left. I mean, it trickles down from the first and to the second, and then you get down to number 11, which was Joseph. There should be nothing left. But because he was the favorite, because he was the most loved, Jacob treated him specially. Jacob took things that should have been the oldest sons, the second sons, the third sons, and gave them to Joseph. He took love that belonged to all of the children and gave it to only Joseph. He made Joseph a colored coat. We call it the Technicolor dream coat if you've seen any plays or movies here in the States. 
He did things that made Joseph special above his brothers and that created a hatred, not a dislike, but a hatred of his brother. Not only that, Joseph was kind of bratty. He was a good kid, but he was bratty. He, did, he was not very tactful. He wasn't very good at, at, at keeping this love to himself. He kind of showed it off a little bit here and there. And so one day, as we saw last week, he went into the fields to see his brothers who were working, and his brothers saw him far off and decided as he was far off that they were going to kill him because that was the easiest way to fix all of their problems. And honestly, who hasn't thought that once in a while? Well, if this just went away, whatever it was, a person, a debt, a car, a house, a job, a coworker, if it just went away, everything would be better, right? Everything would be better. And that's where they were. If Joseph just went away, the dreamer, all of our problems would be fixed. Well, the oldest son had his some sense about him and talked them into not killing him. But they did sell him into slavery. And Joseph was sent into Egypt as a slave. Not only was Joseph sent into Egypt as a slave, but when he got there, he became a man in a household. And he was so useful in this household as a slave that he became kind of like a secondhand man to Potiphar. He became a trusted servant. He did really good things. He never let his moment, he never let the bad things that were happened to him get him down. But then the wife of Potiphar decided she liked the way that Joseph looked. We've never done that. None of us watch TV and say, that person's a cutie. None of us. But she did something about it. She decided she wanted that cutie for herself, and she tried to make Joseph her own, but he wouldn't have it. And because he wouldn't have it, she lied and said that she, he tried to sexually abuse her. And because of that, he was sent to jail. Having done nothing wrong, again, Joseph is sent to jail. And what does he do about it? Does he cry? Does he weep? Does he gnash his teeth? No. He goes to jail and becomes the most perfect example of a prisoner you've ever seen. My friends, I don't know how to relate to this man named Joseph sometimes. Because in all of the things that keep happening to him, hated by your brothers, hated by 11 people in your immediate family, sold into slavery, lied about, sent to prison, stuck in prison, yet his attitude and demeanor were so far from what I would have been like. You see, I read Psalm 42, and I see a version of who I would have been as Joseph. See, in Psalm 42, in verse 5, it says, Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why is my soul so down? Why are you so disturbed in me? Because that's what I would have been. I would have been downcast. I would have been disturbed. I would have been upset. I would have been livid, righteously so. I would have been mad. Not only at the people who got me there, my brothers, Potiphar's wife, but also at God. 
Because I know that God can intervene on my behalf. So why am I here? And why does this keep happening to me? Yet Joseph, Joseph does the next thing that I see here. Joseph says, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. See, Psalm 42 altogether here in verse 5 says, Why is my soul so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. From the land of the Jordan to the heights of the Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. You see, I think Joseph may have felt the same way you and I would have felt. He probably would have been hurt. He probably would have been mad and angry. But the thing that Joseph did that you and I sometimes fail to do is instead of sitting in his anger, instead of sitting in his grief, instead of sitting in the brokenness that he was in, he decided to call out to God. He decided to question those feelings of disturbedness. And he decided to trust, to do exactly this, to put his hope in God. And that's why we see in verse 45 where we find him, Joseph is no longer in prison. In fact, what happens is the Pharaoh has a dream that he can't interpret. And Joseph, being an interpreter of dreams that we've seen in previous scripture, Joseph is called on by the Pharaoh to interpret his dream. And Joseph says, well, I cannot do that, but God will help me. And sure enough, he interprets the dreams, and the dreams basically say that Egypt's going to have seven years of great feast and seven years of great famine. And he tells Pharaoh, because of this, you need to take the seven years of great feast and save a lot of that food. And then during the famine, you're going to be able to care for yourself. And where we see him in verse 45 is during two, after two years of the famine, where Egypt is doing great, and all of the countries around Egypt are having to go to Egypt to get the only food that's left because of the work of Joseph. A man who was hated by his brothers, who was sold into slavery, who was put into prison, is now making sure that people, tribes, whole households, whole clans are still living because he put his hope not in people who are broken, but in God. What's more than that, what's more than that is that God's plan the whole time has been working in the background to get Joseph to this point. And this is where we're going today is the understanding that God is always working on our behalf in the background of our lives. It's a promise that is told to us. It is a promise that is given to us that no matter what is happening in your life, good or bad, God is working for you. God is working to fix things for you. God is working to get you where God wants you to go. But what I hear in this world is something that we need to address today because there's a difference between God working for you and what we hear all of the time or what I hear all the time. And if I hear you say it to me, I'll, I'll give you a nice sweet smile and I'll say, bless your heart, because I've learned that. I may be from California, but I've learned 
that bless your heart is not a nice thing. And I'll say, bless your heart. And I'll say, when you say everything happens for a reason, that's a load of something. Don't laugh at me, Grafton. People say everything happens for a reason, and if it's God's will, it will happen, like it's the easiest thing to come out of your mouth, like it's the answer to everything, like when something goes wrong, well, it must have happened, because if it hadn't happened, I wouldn't be who I was today if 50 different bad things didn't happen to me. And what I want us to question today, what I want to challenge you on today, is that type of thinking. Because yes, it does say in the scripture, when we look at Genesis 45, when we look at what happens with Joseph and his brothers, we do see an example of God being given the glory for the bad things that the brothers have done. Okay, so that is happening here. Let's look at that. So think about it for a minute. These brothers sold their brother into slavery. Joseph was about 17. He's about 30-something now. It's probably been almost 20 years. They haven't seen him. They have no idea where he is, what he's been doing. And all of a sudden, they know they need food, and they know that the only food they can get is in Egypt. And so they go to Egypt to get it, and they stand in front of a man begging him for food, not realizing it's their brother. This isn't a brother that they left when he was two or five, or never met, he was 17. Yet they still do not recognize their own brother. And then Joseph makes himself known to them. Imagine what that must have felt like for those brothers. You sold this man into slavery. You wanted to kill him. And all of a sudden, the man who holds your life in his hands is the man that you wanted dead. Imagine what that must have felt like for them. Imagine what it felt like for Joseph. I've been righteously angry way too many times in my life, and I know what I would have wanted to do. I would have wanted to say, um, nice to see you. Glad you're so well. The door's that way. But that's not what Joseph did. Joseph immediately, without letting them pause, without letting them sit in this fear and trembling, because it says they were terrified. I would have been terrified if I was one of those brothers. I know what guilt feels like. I bet you know what guilt feels like. I can't imagine what that moment felt like for them. But Joseph doesn't let them sit in that, though they deserve to. He says to them, come close to me, which still seems scary. And then he says, do not be distressed. Do not be distressed. I'm your brother, Joseph. And it wasn't you that sent me here. God is using me here. But the words that the scripture says is what leads us into this thinking of, well, everything happens for a reason, and if it's God's will, it will happen. Because the words that the scripture says specifically is, so it's not you that sent me here, but God. So we take that to mean that this was God's plan the whole time. That it was God's plan that the brothers 
would try and kill him and then change their mind and sell him into slavery, that it was God's plan that Potiphar's wife would falsely accuse him of sexual harassment and he would go to prison, that it was God's plan that he would be in prison. Now I want to ask you a question. If you believe that it's God's plans for all of these horrible, wretched things to happen to somebody that God dearly loves, I want to ask you what you believe about your God. Because in my life, in my understanding of my creator, I know that God did not need one of those things to happen in order for God to get Joseph to Egypt. I know that God is big enough to not need any of those negative things, any of those horrible things to happen in order to put Joseph at the right-hand fan of Pharaoh. What God did do was use the broken, evil, wretched human nature that exists in all of us and in this world. And he turned it for good and for his purposes. And there's a distinct difference, and I need you to understand that. There is a distinct difference between God turning something that we meant for bad to good from something that God always intended to be. Do you see that? I've had people tell me before, and I, some of you may know some of my story, but I, I, my father left us when I was very young. I didn't get to know him. I adored him. I missed him. It marked me deeply. And I've had people tell me that, well, you wouldn't be who you were today if you didn't have that happen to you. And I want to tell them that, bless your heart. (laughs) I didn't need that to happen to me for God to use me where I am today. You didn't need whatever evil happened in your life to happen to you in order for you to be where you are today. You didn't need to lose that cherished loved one that you lost in order for you to be where you are today, in order for God to do the good things that God is doing because of that lost life. But our God is good. Our God is so good that God does not let evil win. Our God is so good that God sent Jesus to come live with us so that evil would never win on earth again. Romans 8.28 tells us this. It's a promise that we need to live into every day. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who have been called according to his purpose. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who have been called according to his purpose and who love him. And so here's the thing. God is working for the good of all of us. God is working for the good of Joseph's brothers God was working for the good of Joseph. God was working for the good of Jacob. Joseph was the only one who experienced the good blessings of God because guess what? Joseph was walking with God. Joseph chose to live a life with God. Joseph chose to recognize God in his life. And Joseph chose over and over again in every situation that was broken and seemingly unredeemed, Joseph chose to believe in hope. While his brothers lived in that human feeling that we all get stuck in. That human feeling of hurt, of anger, of jealousy, of pride. 
And though they were righteous in their hurt towards their father and towards their brother, they didn't need to act the way that they did. They could have trusted that God would have worked through whatever was happening, but they didn't. They took matters into their own hands. And it wasn't until decades later that they were given a chance to do something about it again. And at the feet of Joseph, they had another choice to make. They could have chosen not to come and live with Joseph because that's what they wanted to stay away from their whole lives. Their whole lives, they were trying to avoid Joseph ruling over them. Yet if they needed to eat, if they wanted to be forgiven, if they wanted reconciliation, they needed to realize that God was at work here And they needed to let go of those feelings that they had been harboring towards their brother that were so strong. It's the only way it was going to work. It's the only way they were going to receive the blessing that God had been working in the background for them. Romans 8.28 tells us that God is working for our good, but we have to respond. We have to choose to live with God in that. His brothers chose to respond in this moment. But imagine how fearful that was for them. And I know it's scary for us too. It's easy to believe that we can just leave things to fate and everything will work out just as it's supposed to. But that's not the way it works. What works is believing that you serve a God who is good a God who loves you, a God who created you, a God who has a plan for you, and a God who has not forgotten you no matter what season of life you're in. And when you're in that season, you need to remember to trust that God has not forgotten where you are and that God is working in the background to get you to a place that is full of blessing and full of promise. But the only way you're going to see that blessing is choosing God along the journey because it is possible to choose a different path. And when we choose that different path, we don't get to see the blessing. We don't get to see the promise. We just get more brokenness and more hurt. So today we get to decide, are we gonna be more Joseph's? Or are we gonna be his brothers? It's hard for me, even as a pastor, day to day I have to make the decision. I have to make the decision. Am I going to be sitting in my downcast soul, crying out to God saying, why is it so bad? Or am I going to be remembering, reminding myself to put my trust in God, knowing that God is working for my behalf in the background?